2021's off to a great start. Um, so we're, in Col- we're, we're continuing our study in Colossians, and so turn with me to Colossians 3 um, tonight. Um, and man, as, as we continue this study, I, I hope you guys find tonight's message as, as timely as I did um, in just God getting us on the right track for this year. Because um, man, like, I don't, I didn't, we're just working our way through this book, so I didn't like plan what we were talking tonight based on this week's event. I had planned what we're talking about tonight for a while. Um, Because this year is kind of off to a great start, and I'm convinced this world has gone insane. You know, I want to set up one of those Steven Crowder tables outside in a crowded area that says, the world has gone insane, prove me wrong. Because I'm convinced no one can. Um, you guys remember, there was an old YouTube video, the, the baby monkey riding on a pig. Like, one of the lines in there is, the world has gone insane. And so, when I say the world has gone insane, just know that I'm thinking of a baby monkey on the back of a pig. Um, it's adorable. You have to look it up. Oh, it's not up there. You pointed and made me, thought it was up, made me think it was up there. Just, all right. So... Everyone's kind of going crazy. Our world is insane. A lot of people seem to be losing their minds, but just because everyone seems to be losing their minds right now doesn't mean we have to. We don't have to get lost and caught up in everything going on. Um, And you'll see what I'm talking about as we dive in tonight. Let's read in Colossians 3, uh, verses 8 through 13. It says, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So, Man, this passage highlights for us a few general ways that, that the new man, this new man that we've been talking about the last uh, couple weeks, should affect your life. And that's why I've titled tonight's message, The New Man, and I think it might even be The New Man Part 1, because um, we'll get into more of that next week. But tonight it gets into some specific ways that putting on the new man should affect your life. And so tonight we're going to look at how that should affect you personally Um, both personally and corporately together as a group. But before we get there, we'll just briefly talk about the old man, uh, because we've been talking about the old man and new man for a bit, so I don't feel like I have to spend too long talking about the old man, because before you can hope to put on the new man, you have to put off the old man. And that's really only possible if you have the new man, and if you're new tonight, maybe that sounds weird to you, but that's, it's, you, you have the new man because you become a new creature in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's the new man. With the new life that Christ gives you, you have a new man. And you become that new creature when you're spiritually born again in Jesus Christ. That's why John 3.3 says, uh, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if you've never been born again, you know, that might sound like a weird thing, but that's what we're talking about, having the new life in Christ. So if, if that's something new to you, 
Man, talk to somebody about that before you leave. There's all kinds of people in this room who would love to talk to you about that. But you need to understand that, that because of your old man, which is just your sinful self that's full of anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, lying, and other sins that we all have, by the way, because of that, we're destined uh, to spend an eternity separated from God. But God offered us the gift of eternal life through the death of his only begotten son, uh, Jesus Christ. And through that death, your sins can be paid for with the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. And accepting that gift of sacrifice, or that sacrifice for you gives you new life in him. You get the new man. So if you have questions about that, man, come talk to me afterwards. But even after you get the new man, the old man doesn't just go away. That's why we have to put off the old man before we can put on the new man. Unfortunately, he sticks around. And like we talked about last week, when you get saved, you become dead to your sin and you become a new creature in Christ. And at that point, you've got the old man and the new man. You've got those two natures that are warring against each other inside of you. You've got the old man, which is your old sinful flesh that's always trying to get you to live the way he wants you to. And you've got the new man, your new spiritual self that's connected to Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that new man tries to get you to live the way he wants you to, too. And obviously that lines up with how God wants you to live. And so we've got these two guys living inside of us. Sounds weird, like it's, it's like the angel and the devil on the shoulder thing, only real. Um, but they're always fighting each other to try to get you to live a certain way, and that effectively changes your life each and every day. And the decisions you make on a daily basis, based on that old man and based on that new man, can change the direction of your life, for better or for worse. And the thing we need to realize is that one of those guys is going to be directing your life, but it's up to you to decide who it is. You choose on a daily basis which one to put in the driver's seat. Are you going to put the new man in the driver's seat or the old man in the driver's seat? Because those are your options. And choosing the new man has some particular advantages, um, scripturally, despite the constant pressure the old man puts on us to let him be in charge. And tonight, like I said, we're going to look at two different ways that the new man affects our life uh, in a positive way. And the first one is the new man personally. And that's what we see in verse 10 of Colossians 3, which says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So obviously, there's going to be some very real ways that putting the new man on affects you as a personal, or on a personal level. So not only is it important to understand how we should be putting off the old man, like we briefly talked about, but it's important to understand what will happen when you put on the new man so that we can make sure that's actually happening in our life. Ephesians 4 talks about the same thing in verses 20 through 24. It says, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, and true holiness. So this putting off the old man and putting on the new man is reiterated to us in Ephesians 4. And put on the new man, or, and we're supposed to put off the old man, which is corrupt and full of deceitful lusts, and put on the new man, which God created in righteousness and holiness. But it's not just created by God. This passage tells us that uh, it says the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Because like we talked about last week, the new man is created in the image of God. It's modeled after Jesus Christ. 
That's why what it wants for your life lines up with what God wants for your life. So if we want to be conformed to the image of Christ, the more we put on the new man, the closer we're going to get to being conformed to the image of Christ. And that's important because we want to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, like verse 23 says. 2 Corinthians uh, 13, 11 tells us why, or, or tells us that we want our mind to be renewed uh, because it says, finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. So Paul wrote that to the Corinthian church, and he wanted them collectively to be of one mind with one another. And we know exactly what that mind is because 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. That's the one mind that, that we're supposed to have. We should be striving to make sure that we have the mind of Christ in us because when we all have the mind of Christ, then we're all of one mind and we're all pointed in the direction God wants us to be headed in. And we know that putting on the new man is key to making sure that we have the mind of Christ because putting on the new man is connected to the renewing of our mind. And we know that the new man is created in the image of God and Hebrews 1.3 tells us that Jesus is the image of God. Hebrews 1, I'll start reading in verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus Christ is the express image of God's person. He's the image of God. And it's important that we put on our new man so that our life demonstrates that image because the new man is modeled after the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 through 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So the image of God, Jesus Christ, is supposed to shine to all the lost people of the world that Satan has blinded. But don't forget that Jesus isn't here physically anymore. He hasn't been for over 2,000, or for almost 2,000 years. But we, the church, the body of Christ, we're still here. And the more we can be conformed to Jesus' image now, the more his light's gonna shine in this world as this world gets darker and darker. And we do that by putting on the new man and allowing our minds to be renewed. And this isn't a one-time thing. You know, the word renew in scripture, if you look up all the times that the word renew is used in scripture, it's used a couple of different ways. Um, the first way is in Titus 3, uh, verses uh, 4 through 7. It just says, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So in this context, renewing is clearly referring to what happens to you at salvation and what happens when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. It's the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saved us. This context is clearly Jesus Christ's gift of eternal life and you accepting it by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So this renewing only needs to be done 
one time because if you give your life to the Lord, nothing will ever take that away from you. Nothing will ever take you away from him. This renewing is just God's response to your choice to give your life to him. You get saved, you're permanently renewed into that new creature like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. You can't unbecome a new creature. You're as sure, you're, you're just as surely saved today as you were on the day of your salvation. And that renewing was done then. But, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Give me a second. It essentially boils down to uh, that, that is one meaning of the word renew in scripture. But there's also this other one that we see uh, here in Colossians 3 and in 2 Corinthians 4. Um, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So when you get saved, you're renewed in an eternal sense that you, you're born into a new creature and you're guaranteed eternal life and you can't have eternal life if it's going to end someday. But this being renewed day by day, that's a different kind of renewal. So even after you get saved, there's a need for your inward man, your new man, to be renewed day by day. And this renewing is just a choice that you make every single day. It's a practical renewing that doesn't affect your salvation. It just affects how you live your life each day because you've already been renewed permanently. We saw that in Titus. And this one essentially just boils down to you asking yourself the question, am I going to live my life for myself today? Or am I going to live my life for God today? Am I going to allow God to further conform me to the image of Jesus' son? Because he gives us the choice every day to wake up and decide how you're going to live your life. And so even if you're completely sure and saved in him and you have eternal life, you can live your life for yourself. That's fine. But that's not what he wants for you. He wants you to be conformed to his image so that you can demonstrate his light to the world. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So every single day, you have to decide if you're going to be a living sacrifice for God. You have to decide whether you're going to put your desires on the altar and live for the Lord. And doing that will result in you being transformed by the renewing of your mind. But notice that doing that doesn't make you some kind of super Christian. Like, you don't get a cape just for doing that. Being a living sacrifice is called your reasonable service. That's reasonable. It's normal. That's what each of us should be doing. It's not something we should be making excuses for or looking to other people to do for us. That's, it's reasonable. But do you see how, like, this whole thing kind of connects in this roundabout way. I wrote it down on your sheet this way. If you want to personally be conformed to the image of Christ in this life, all you have to do is continually decide to put on the new man because the new man is modeled after the image of God and Jesus is the image of God. And as you decide to put on the new man, as you decide to wake up in the morning, crack your Bible open, read through scripture, allow God's word to change you and make you look more like his son, man, you'll have the mind of Christ. And if you have the mind of Christ, you can really start doing some things for God. You can really start being used by the Lord as your views and your life line up with his views and what he wants for your life. And if we all have the mind of Christ, when we're all of that one mind, then God can really start doing some cool things with us, both individually and collectively as the body of Christ. And that's part number two, the new man corporately. 
And that's what we see in, in the rest of this passage, verses 11 through 13. So our personal walk with God and our personal ministry to the people in our lives, that's important to consider. It's important to see how God uses us with individuals. But it's also critical that we examine our corporate ministry with our local church as well. Because like it or not, the local church is the vehicle that God designed to reach the world. And if we disconnect ourselves from the church, then we don't understand the importance of being plugged into a church, then we're not going to be very effective in ministry because that's the way God designed ministry to operate. And we'll even struggle in our own personal ministry if we're trying to do personal ministry on our own separate from a church. And there's some very real ways that putting on the new man in your personal life should affect your relationships and associations with the other people in your local church. So this is clearly worth examining in this passage. And the first thing we see here is letter A, there should be no divisions. And that's in verse 11, which says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. And I think this point is pretty clear and self-explanatory, but understand that at the time, it probably wasn't necessarily clear for everyone that, this, uh, that uh, the book of Colossians was written to, because at one time there were divisions between people that were even reinforced by God. For example, when Jesus first came to minister to humanity, he sent out his disciples, his 12 disciples. Uh, he sent them out in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, Matthew 10, 5 and 6 says, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles, into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So originally Jesus' ministry was only focused on the nation of Israel. But we can see that that changed later on. Look at Luke 10 verse 1. It says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two, by, or two and two before his face into every city in place whither he himself would come. So after the Jewish leaders continued to reject Jesus' message, he branched his ministry out to both Jews and Gentiles. In Luke 10, you know, it's not just the cities of Israelites, it's every city and, and place. So it became indiscriminate. Jesus was tearing down the walls that, he, that, that were there. So after that happened, Jesus' ministry was to everyone. And I think this discussion about there being no divisions in the church, man, that's incredibly important in today's world because, you know, the verse says specifically where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. So there, there's obviously different types of people in our world. There's different groups of people. But in the church, those things shouldn't, shouldn't be there. We shouldn't have those barriers between us. And that's an important discussion uh, for, for today's world because our world and our country is, is now more divided than it's ever been in, in my understanding. We're divided by race, by political opinion, by our wealth status, by all sorts of stuff. Maybe you don't care if someone is a different race than you are, but some people do. Maybe you don't care if someone identifies as a Republican or a Democrat. Some people do as if those are the only two options, by the way. These are, some of these things are big deals to some people. But man, we gotta be careful in how we let stuff like this affect us. Because everyone in every area of life seems to get divided into one of two categories, and they always seem to be arbitrary categories. So you either have to be a Republican or a Democrat. Which one are you? Because that's important to some people. You're either all for wearing face masks or you hate people that do. There's no in-between. You're either a COVID vaccine enthusiast or you're a complete anti-vaxxer and science denier. 
you either say that the protest last Wednesday was a terrible act of terrorism or you say that nothing wrong happened. You either think tech giants like Facebook, Google, and Twitter can censor opposing political views without repercussion because they're private companies or you think the government should step in and completely shut them down. And not just political stuff, too. Get into theology. You're either a Calvinist or an Arminianist, or Arminianist and if that means nothing to you, you're lucky. <laughs> you either believe that there's no gap between the first two verses in Genesis or you're a theistic evolutionist. There's no room for discussion in between. You either drink milk as a beverage or you claim it's not a natural thing for human adults to do. <laughs> my, my point is, my point is the world tries to divide everything into large groups of two and leaves no room for nuance, discussion, or debate anywhere in between. They create this false dichotomy in trying to try to force you to pick from one of two options and rarely, if ever, is even one of those two options an appropriate reasoned response, aside from the, the milk not being a normal thing for a human to drink. That's an appropriate and reasoned response. But dividing people, that's a tactic of Satan. It always has been, all throughout Scripture. You divide people, they stay mad at each other, and they don't accomplish anything because all their energy is directed at each other. And you'd be surprised how much we allow that to happen in church. In the church, we should be above the divisions that the world tries to force upon us. And sure, we're, we're obviously bound to have different opinions with one another about various things. But look at what Galatians 3 says in verses 26 through 29. It says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's the identity you own now. That's the identity you took on when you gave your life to Christ. So what's more important to you? Your opinions or the identity you have in Christ? Because you belong to Christ now. We all do. And the kinship we have with each other because of that is too important to let our political or worldly differences get in the way of that. I don't care what's going on in the world or how divided people are from one another. Man, that shouldn't be the case here. And shame on us if it is. But we have a job to do. And if we're too busy fighting with each other and, and dividing ourselves from one another, man, that job won't get done. We've got to shine Christ's light in this world because it's getting dark and he's coming back soon and we're running out of time to get the gospel to the world. And if we're too busy fighting with each other, that's not going to get done. We need to be focused on things above, not things on the earth like we talked about last week. So what if I think America's going to hell in a handbasket? Do I belong to America or do I belong to Christ? What if I so what if I think Facebook and Twitter are censoring free speech? Do I belong to Facebook or do I belong to Christ? The point is, who cares what our world's doing? We got bigger fish to fry. We got a big pan. Get some oil, get some fish. We got, we got big fish, man. We got, it's time to fry. <laughs> Colossians 3.11 says that Christ is all and in all. Christ is all. Christ is everything. And he's in all of us. So everything we are, should be about him. So we need to stop focusing so much on what the world and the divisions it's trying to force on us. Uh, we need to stop focusing on that. Because we've got, 
something far bigger than political or social opinions that bind us together. We're bound together to accomplish something, and we're running out of time to do it. And in light of that, let her be, man, treat each other right. And that's what verses 12 through 13 get at. It says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And again, man, this is so simple and so straightforward, but it's so simple, we miss it sometimes. Because we're the elect of God. We're holy and beloved of God. Because we're bound together in Jesus Christ, man, we ought to be there for each other. And we ought to act in some very specific ways towards each other. And, and those ways are listed in, this, in this, these verses. We're to have mercy. Mercy is just not giving somebody what they deserve. Jesus gives us mercy by not sending us to hell where we belong. We deserve hell. Jesus shows us mercy by not making us go there. So we ought to show one another mercy by not judging one another, but by helping each other when we need it. We should show kindness, which is pretty simple. We all know how to show kindness to each other. We just don't always do it. We should have humbleness of mind. So we shouldn't get a big head as we start to learn stuff about the Bible. Rather, we should take what God teaches us and use it to help others learn or grow. Meekness, that's always connected with gentleness and submission. This one's typically harder for guys than girls, but it just gets at how you, you react to others when things happen to you. If your first response is to get angry or offended whenever somebody does something wrong to you, uh, I- is that what your first response is, or are you meek with your first response being calm and collected, giving people who wrong you the benefit of the doubt and, and not being angry or upset with them right away? We're supposed to be treating each other with meekness, so we should be calm and peaceable with one another even when somebody does something that offends us or something that's wrong to us. We're supposed to be long-suffering, which is exactly what it sounds like, suffering for a long time. It's patience. We should be patience, or we should be patient with one another. We're to forbear one another, which in this context just means to put up with each other, as weird as that may sound. Ephesians 4.2 says we're to forbear one another in love. And so here's the deal. Here's, here's how cool God is. I feel like too often we... I don't know, Christianity gets a bad rap, and for good reason a lot of the times, because people will imagine Christians, they're, they're the ones standing around a fire holding hands, singing kumbaya, and sure sometimes that happens, and praise the Lord when it does, but <laughs> the reality is you're not going to like every single person you go to church with. God understands that. <laughs> Some personalities just don't click. God doesn't expect you to like everyone, but he expects you to love everyone in your church family. There's a difference. You don't have to pretend to be best friends with everyone you're supposed to be serving with. But like family, you should set aside your differences to truly care for them so that together we can accomplish the mission. So man, forbear one another. Put up with each other. We're family. We're in this together. And I don't mean that the way the hashtag does. And finally, (laughs) God knows we're going to quarrel at times. We're all people, and some of us are more pig-headed than others. Ask just ask my wife. Some, some of us are more pig-headed than others. So we're going to have quarrels, but when we do, man, we got to forgive each other. Jesus forgave us. He's our example. we got to forgive each other. So you see how timely the, this discussion is for tonight. Man, our world is becoming insane. Our country is headed downhill, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you find yourself on. Man, things aren't looking good. 
there are more things trying to divide people on more issues than any other time in history that I'm aware of, but man, we can't play into their hands. We can't let our identity as Americans or as conservatives or as Democrats or whatever else you might identify as, we can't let other identities hold sway over us. Because at the end of the day, the only thing any of us have any business identifying as is a son or daughter of God. And how we treat each other should reflect that. And we shouldn't treat each other differently because of a difference in opinion. Sure, if you care about your local, or if someone you care about in your local church is messed up on a doctrinal issue, if they're, if they're incorrect on something, man, you gotta help them see that and help, help teach them why that's wrong and, and what the Bible really says. So don't walk out of here thinking I'm saying that we're all free to think what we wanna think and believe whatever we wanna believe about the Bible. The doctrine or, or teaching of scripture is clear and that's what our identity is based on, the words in, in this book. So if your opinion or belief is contrary to scripture, expect to be corrected on that in love for your own good so you can learn and grow uh, without that holding you up. But man, all the other stuff, all the things of this world, that stuff just doesn't matter. Christians, we've got a job to do. So have your political opinions. I have mine. But understand that that fight is not your fight. It's not my fight. Put those on the back seat, in the back seat and allow yourself to be driven by the one identity that matters. Your identity in Christ is, as a member of this local body of believers we're running out of time to win people to Christ and make disciples. That's our fight. That's what we're worried about. That's what our time and energy needs to be put into. We don't have enough time left to waste all our time and energy fighting with each other about stuff that doesn't matter anyways, that Christ is going to deal with all at once when he comes back. So the new man should affect us personally from the inside out, and the new man should affect us corporately both inside and outside of this building and, and the building across the parking lot. And this passage continues into verse 14 and the conversation shifts to, to how the new man affects us as a local body of believers to a more uh, general discussion of what life looks like when the new man is put on and that's where we're going to go next week. But for tonight, man, think about, think about what we talked about. Think about what, what's in this passage. Think about how the new man should be affecting your personal life and think about how the new man should be affecting our collective life together. And ask yourself, do I see those effects in my life? Am I being renewed day by day in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Is my life looking more and more like Jesus as time passes, or is it looking less and less like him? Do I struggle to get along with my church family? Do I have trouble serving in ministry with them? Or am I doing okay with that? Do I struggle to identify with other people in my church, or, or am, I, am I doing that just fine? Because if you're struggling with those things, it's just likely that you're not putting on the new man which just means you've got to stop the old man from getting what he wants and allow, and allow God to be the one who directs your life and start making decisions that you're going to follow him and focus on what he wants you to focus on no matter what the world throws your way. Man, like I said, just crack that Bible open, dig into that book and ask God to use it to change you from the inside out because as the more of Christ's mind you pour in you, the more of Christ's mind you have, and the more of Christ's mind you have, the more you look like other people who have the mind of Christ. That's, it, all, it all fits together. You all have the mind of Christ. It, it all makes sense. I love the Bible. It's great. But if you're not struggling with these things, if you honestly feel like you're doing okay in the areas we talked about tonight and putting on the new man personally and putting on the new man corporately and stuff like that, man, can I just challenge you to be vi vigilant? Because like we talked about, the decision to put on the new man is a daily decision. 
And the moment you make the wrong choice and start letting the old man back into the driver's seat, you find him inching his way up there more and more. And your old, sinful, fleshly self starts calling the shots. And look, I don't know any of you well enough to be able to answer those questions for you. This is an honest conversation you need to have between you and God. You have to be the one to examine your personal walk with God to know if you're where you need to be. And you, need to, you have to be the one to examine your own personal relationships with the other people in this room to know if your identity with them is what it should be. But if you're willing to examine yourself, like 1 Corinthians 11 talks about, you can figure out what adjustments you need to make to get your life on track. Because like I said, we don't, we don't have any more time to screw around with being off track. God gave us a job to do. We got to get the gospel to this world. We have to make disciples. Time's running out. The amount of time we have left to do that is just getting smaller, man. So let's put off the new man. Let's put on the new man so that our lives can shine the light of Jesus Christ to this dark world as it gets darker. So I'm gonna pray and we'll be done for the night. God, thank you so much just for, for your word and for the simplicity of, of what it means to, to just live for you and, and forsake the things of this world that aren't important. And God, I pray that as the things of this world uh, just get weirder and weirder, that we would just be able to focus on you and do what it is you've asked us to do. And God, I pray that we would love one another and we would uh, be able to serve one another, even if we don't like each other that much. Uh, God, I, I do like the people in this room and I, I think they're great. Um, but man, if we can just love one another, no matter how we're feeling and no matter what we're doing, then we're gonna be able to accomplish great things for you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.